Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Let us pray, Lord, we thank you because you are everything to us. We thank you that from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, your name is worthy to be praised. And so this morning, we just stop to say thank you. I pray that as the preaching moment is at hand, that you will give me preaching power to preach in such a way that is impactful, in a way that is meaningful, in a way that is substantive to these, your people, so that we can leave here better than we were when we came. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you praise God for this band and for uh, the music ministry of Diamond Sneed. Amen. I want to uh, continue on the preaching that I began last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday's sermon was titled Socially Conscious Christianity, and I want to expand that out into a series. Um, and today I want to talk about do better. Do better. And I want to look at Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 14. Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. Hear ye the word of the Lord. It says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Once again, I want to talk for a few minutes on the subject simply do better. In Lovey Ajayi Jones's 2016 book titled, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual, Lovey uses her humor, wit, and famous truth-telling ability to call out things from the mundane to the serious stuff that people need to tighten up in their lives. She judges everything from who, what she calls dinner scrooges uh, who order from the whole menu uh, but then insist on splitting the bill with the entire group. Uh, she calls out Nigerians for arriving late to things, to toddlers who act the fool in Target, and racism and homophobia. Lovey's book makes readers laugh, reflect, judge, and as is the hope of Lovey, do better. Uh, Lovey was not the first to push people to do better. No, long before Lovey penned a word, your truth-telling grandmama, aunts, 
mom and other older people in your life who refuse to be shackled by filters have been telling folks to do better. They were or are in the phase of life where they call it like they see it and tell the truth even when nobody wants to hear it. Their candor sometimes only makes us self-conscious, but sometimes, every now and then, it actually helps us to do better. But long before Grandma was telling folks like it is, John the Baptist was going around all the Jordan River area preaching a gospel of repentance and telling people, y'all need to do better. Uh, He was telling folks who came to be baptized, who was raising the question, what must I do? He tells them when it comes to how we show up in ways that impact other people, y'all need to do better. That's what I want to preach about today. I want to raise up for you this very interesting fact that Luke, in his narrative, has John the Baptist suggesting that paramount to truly repentant Christian living is doing better when it comes to social sins. And as Luke said to them, I say to you this morning that if you are concerned with personal piety, if you are concerned with living righteously, then looking at the scriptures through the lens of socially conscious Christianity should make us realize that when it comes to the weighty stuff that impacts other people, you and I need to do better. As I mentioned in last week's sermon, Luke uh, writes the Gospel of Luke as part one of a two-part volume series that he addresses to seemingly someone of nobility or someone of official capacity by the name of Theophilus. Uh, One of the hallmarks of the Gospel of Luke is that in tone, Luke is very much anti-empire and he is centering the poor and the marginalized as God's priority and as Jesus's priority. Uh, Luke emphasizes the poverty of Jesus in his writing. Uh, Luke emphasizes the scandal that is centered around the birth of Jesus in his gospel. And the other thing is that Luke emphasizes the corruption of the government. By the time we get into this part of chapter 3, notice that we know all the names associated with the top tier of the empire of Rome. We know all of their names, all of the people who have jurisdiction over the Jews. All of their names are listed by Luke by the beginning of chapter 3. But then abruptly in chapter 3, verse 2, the list is disrupted by the introduction of this nobody by the name of John the Baptist. This person who was not on the throne, but was in the wilderness. This person who did not possess a royal decree from the emperor, no, instead he had a decree from God that was calling for repentance. And John issued a warning to those that were coming out to the wilderness to be baptized that God's judgment was imminent. Uh, They asked, it seems, with great concern, what should they do? What changes should they make in their lives to escape God's judgment? How should they shape their lives differently to be on God's side? What should they adjust about themselves to be all right with God? Of all things, Luke says that John the Baptist points to their social sins, to the stuff that impacts other people. He points to these things as the things that needed to be changed about the people. 
He said in verse 11, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors, it says, also came to be baptized, and he said to them, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Verse 14, soldiers also asked him, and, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. In effect, John says to them, do better when it comes to the social stuff. So there are three things that I see when I look at John's response. First of all, in order to do better, we need to share. In order to do better, we need to share. In the text, he says in verse 11, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. For the past six years, Carla and I have been a parent to a now six-year-old. And central to the early years of raising kids is teaching them how to share. Now, most parents remember their kids' first words. It is either mama or dada, sometimes the first words. But often their second or third word that it seems like they learn is mine. And so from an early age, they not only learn possession and ownership, but they learn to claim it exclusively. And often what has to happen is that kids have to be taught to not be selfish. And so over and over again, in those early years, we were having to teach our daughter, especially as an only child, the importance of this thing called sharing. This is a lesson, honestly, that many of us are still learning this concept of sharing. This idea that everything that belongs to us does not have to stay with us exclusively, that, that we don't have to hoard possessions as a means of validating our accomplishments. John the Baptist challenges those that were coming to be baptized that what they needed to have happen in their lives, if they were to do better, was to shake the selfishness and start sharing. Can I push John's words on you for a moment this morning? You who have 20 pair of sneakers, share with him who does not have shoes on his feet. You who have coats on coats and jeans on jeans and dresses on dresses and kids' clothes on kids' clothes in your closets, share with her, with him, with them who have none or whose is wearing out. You see, John sees something that is troublesome about people that are functioning in a society with other human beings that have a need that can be met by them, yet they not be moved to do anything about it. Yes, apathy is not just a world problem. It is also a Christian problem. And what Luke helps to make clear to us through John the Baptist's words is that, is that this is what it means to be changed. This is what it means to be realigned to the values of the kingdom of God, to trade in selfishness for sharing, to care not just that I eat, but that the one who did not eat last night will eat today. Why? Because I happened to them. Secondly, in order to do better, John says we need to be fair. It's right there in verse 12. I'm not making it up. Verse 12, he says, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. 
Now, some of y'all have heard me talk in previous sermons about that taxation scheme that was happening to the Jews. Other Jews would get these patronage jobs or these contracts that allowed them to collect the taxes on behalf of the government. This is the way the scheme went. You owed a certain amount of money as a tax collector that you had to run back to the government. But anything extra that you could extort, that you could steal, that you could pry away from the people, especially the poor, it was yours to keep as long as you ran Rome back its money. And so this is why oftentimes in the Gospels, you, you will read uh, in the Gospels, sinners and tax collectors often referenced together. These were effectively the scumbags of society, at least from the vantage point of the poor. Luke says that lo and behold, of all people who came out to be baptized, tax collectors came. And in Luke's story, Luke says that they asked, what shall we do? John the Baptist told them that they should collect no more than they were authorized to collect. The, the contemporary English version of Scripture says, don't make people pay more money than they owe. In other words, stop ripping people off just because you can. Stop taking advantage. Stop taking advantage of people just because they're vulnerable, and this will lead to your come up. That there is a dangerous bag culture that is in our society, and it justifies the come up by any means, even if it means taking advantage of other people's naivety and vulnerability. But for those of us who would be a part of this faith, the citizens of the kingdom of God, rather than the kingdom of this world, that there is a new ethic that we have to live by that, that is an ethic of fairness. Yeah, we don't take advantage of anybody. We don't get ahead by putting anybody else behind. It means that if we have a business. We treat our clients with fairness. We give them what they pay for. We don't sell them something or sell them on something that does not carry the appropriate value simply because it'll help us meet our goal of the bottom line. Yes, it means that we treat employees fairly and with equity. It's not, what do I have to pay you? What can I get away with paying you? It raises the question, what should I pay you? Yes, this, this sounds like social talk rather than religious talk, but what I'm trying to showcase this morning is that if you read the Bible right, there is no space in between the two. The gospel of Jesus Christ is inherently social. Yes, a part of our calling is to be fair. And so in all of your dealings, be fair. How would our intimate relationships be differently right now if people would just commit to being fair? How much more enjoyable would family time be if everybody would just commit to being fair? How much more would we love our jobs if folks would just commit to being fair? How much of a functioning democracy could we have in our country if politicians and political operatives would just be fair? Let me push on lest I keep you too long and say that thirdly, in order to do better, we need to check our power. 
It's right there in verse 14. It says, the soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Nearly every time I have been pulled over by a white police officer for something, that officer has always come in what I would call too hot. I I have never had a non-uniform white man ever pop off at me from the jump in a conversation the way that I have had them do in uniform. Coming in hot, elevated, voice raised, tone all messed up. And it's a speeding violation. It's a failure to change lane situation. I I didn't commit a drive-by. I did not commit a hit and run. It's a citation. What I have chalked it up as is an inability to check power. Don't lose the context of what's happening in these verses. First in verse 10, it's the crowd asking what must they do. Then in verse 12, it is the tax collectors those who exploit and extort that were asking, what should they do? But next, it's the soldiers. Luke wants to get them in on this so he can read them too. We got to talk about this for a minute so so y'all can really see what's happening here. The soldiers were effectively a policing force among the Jews. They were not there to fight a war, that they were there to control the people and to enforce Caesar's laws. In modern parlance, parlance, they were the police. Luke says the police came to be baptized, and they asked John the Baptist, what must we do? John the Baptist told them, don't extort people for money. And don't plant evidence or pin crimes on them making false accusations so that they can pay you a bribe to go free. I'm just preaching the Bible right now. John says, cut that out. Stop abusing your power. The problem is that today we view the badge as if it sanctifies a person. But I'm thankful that Luke reminds us that even those who enforce the law must be reminded and corrected according to the higher power, the higher law that we all must submit to. It is a law of humility. It is a law of checking power. A law that says don't extort people. That not only goes for the officers and the soldiers, but let me suggest to you also that it goes for the preacher. Because this microphone and this title grants us enormous power, power that will make people entrust the very fate of their souls to us, power to shame, power to call the balls and strikes on what is right and what is wrong in society, power to ask people for money in the name of God, power to interpret the word of God to the people. This pastoral title comes with a lot of power, and so I say to all of the preachers here and all of the preachers that are listening and all of the pastors who may watch later, I say to you, don't abuse that power. Don't abuse it for more likes on Instagram and more square footage in your house. Don't abuse that power. Don't abuse it for more wealth and for more women. Don't abuse that power. Some of you work in positions that give you power. 
You work in government, you work in corporate, or you are an entrepreneur, and God has allowed you to be in that position of power. The question this morning is, what will you do with it? Yes, it is easy to often to, ro- to walk the road that is often traveled, but it is more difficult to check ourselves and not leverage our power to get more and more and more for ourselves. I close with this. I'll take my seat. My grandmother has been gone for nearly 25 years, but I can still hear some of her words resounding in my mind. She would say, when you did something that was just totally out of character, Robin and Vonda remember this, she would say, now Michi, you knows better. In effect, what she was saying was that you don't need nobody to tell you that what you did was wrong. You, you don't need to be taught that what you did was wrong. You know better. Let me suggest to you in closing that we need to return to some of those basics. Confronting the values that are already in us. We, we know better. We, we know better than to be greedy. We know better than to not be fair. We know better than to abuse power. But it, we have now begun to swim in a culture that calls those things acceptable, but we know better. Since we know better, the words of John the Baptist, let us do better. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for challenging us on what it looks like, what it means to, what it means to exercise socially conscious Christianity. I pray in the name of Jesus that that you will continue to challenge us to apply our faith, not just in these patterns of personal piety, but in these meaningful ways that impact other people's lives. Strip us of our stinginess in the name of Jesus. God, strip us of this desire to not be fair or to abuse power. I pray these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you praise God for his word?